Welcome to Pivot, a podcast for church leaders, co-sponsored by Luther Seminary's Faith Lead and Lead. Welcome to Pivot. I'm Terry Elton from Luther Seminary. And I'm Louise Johnson, and I work with Lead. Well, Louise, it's been a while. Here we are, season two for Pivot, and uh, it's been a while since we've been together. Yeah, it's good to be back. It's good to be together again, thinking about leadership and pivot. And I'm excited for the upcoming season. So I'm just wondering, before we dive back into that, I'm just wondering how you've been in this still liminal space and this world of uncertainty. Well, first of all, if you would have told me way back when we first had a conversation about pivot that in January of 2021, we would still be having another season of Pivot and being in liminal space. I don't know if I would have thought you were making a joke or I would have been in despair. So I guess I'm glad I didn't know that then. But I think for me, it's been really interesting that I feel like there's parts of this new liminal space I kind of like, and there's other parts that I can hardly wait to be done with. I'm surprised kind of, I think, by that. I found myself this week in a Zoom conversation with pastors asking this question. They were some of our graduates from Luther, and I was listening to what they were doing, and they were asking what I was doing. And I said, you know, one of the things that's changed is that anytime I'm in, I'm thinking about, or we're in conversation about an initiative and who to involve and who to be a part of, we don't think twice about where they live geographically. We're like, we assume anybody is able to show up, you know, if the schedules work by Zoom or online or in the means that we're gathering now. And so I kind of like that. I kind of like that I can regularly be in relationship and in dialogue and learning partners with church leaders all around the church. The other side of that is I miss casual conversation mm-hmm. with folks. I miss learning about the dailiness of people's lives. We had one of our colleagues, one of my colleagues whose daughter has been sick. And in my meetings, we check in and whatever. But if over Christmas and in the holidays, we haven't seen each other well and we're in our winter term now. And I don't know how it was going. So I I had to find a way. I'm like, I just have to email her and say, I'm praying for you. Like I had to formalize the things to care and support people that I would normally have other mechanisms for. And I'm tired of that. That takes a lot of work. And sometimes I don't have the energy. And so I don't feel like that part of my life is going as well. What about you? I agree. I don't I don't know that I would have thought about it, that there would be things I'd miss about this reality, but I think you're right about that. I think about on the other side of that, I think I've been reconnected with people that I just didn't have time and space to connect with, or frankly, even sort of direct motivation. It isn't that I didn't want to see them or I didn't love them. I just find myself being more intentional about being connected to people. For me, I live by myself, so that's a really important part of just a strategy for 
staying well in this time and place. So I really welcomed that time and space to just, you know, do probably too many Zoom happy hours with friends and colleagues and so on and so forth. And just that opportunity has been really good. And then like you, like the drag of it, I think I probably don't even really need to say it's just it gets old not to be able to hug a friend or to just to have a conversation that isn't so where I'm not aware all the time of how far apart I am and am I outside and is my mask on right? And to think about every time I engage with somebody, how big is the risk, right? And I mean, it's risk assessment all the time. And so that part, you know, that gets wearying. And so there's a lot of those kinds of things that I won't, <laughs> I won't miss on the other side of this. So yeah. What about professionally? What does that look like for you? Because Luther has taught online and I've taught online, there are elements of that that will just continue. Mm -hmm. But I think the piece of me with regard to that, so I've been on the extravaganza planning committee. Oh, yeah. And we're having a virtual gathering this year. And that's going to be a hard one Mm -hmm. to miss. Kind of what you just said, that sense of being in community and just the natural conversations with colleagues that just gets you, you know, like you don't have to go yeah, Lent's coming up and they know exactly what that means or whatever, right? Just the whole sense of being with ministry leaders and some that are old, old colleagues, long-term colleagues, and some that are newer and just joining in those kind of community. And so that's a learning event, but it's also a community event that is going to be hard. And it's one of those markers in my year Mm -hmm. that another one that didn't happen this year, right? And so there's also, there's lament in that as well as there will be direct loss in not having that kind of connection. Mm -hmm. On the flip side, learning wise, it's going to be really fun and great partnership with the ELCA to make it accessible to people that couldn't have traveled, that couldn't have done. So there's this also really opening fun part. And I feel like that's a microcosm of my professional world. I miss getting to go to gatherings and to have the late night conversations with people in a retreat center or something like that. And, or before or after a speaking thing or a training event, and then new opportunities open up. So I think it's, I have to both lament the sad Mm -hmm. and embrace the new thing. If I let go of my framework, that's easier. You know, if if I kind of know I'm going to miss this and can kind of do that lamenting beforehand, I can more easily lean into that. I mean, I think about congregational life and pastors that were leading Christmas totally different this year. And now maybe Lent, you know, that kind of stuff. So I wonder, it's probably not just me that's living in those kind of professional conundrums, right? Where there's gift and there's challenge. What about you? Many of the church leaders I'm working with right now, the question on the table, of course, is Ash Wednesday, right? And what do we do with that? Because normally there would be a fair amount of nose to nose and touching involved in that, which of course, in this time of COVID wouldn't be safe. And so how do we, again, it draws on beautiful creativity, which can be exciting and interesting. And we're having to let go of old practices or at least set them aside for now in favor of some new incarnations. And as you're saying so well, right, 
there's both grief in that and there's, you know, a sense of like, oh, well, this is, this is an interesting possibility, right? That's in front of us now. And so it'll be interesting to see again, how that emerges. And I just am always a little in awe of so many church leaders, right? That are navigating just these constant changes and having to recalibrate at a drop of a hat. And so you know, not only in terms of their safety and so on, but maybe even more so in terms of the climate, right? The political climate that's that's in and around us. So here's a question. Has there been a scripture verse or a spiritual practice that has really been critical for you? Kind of as this lingers, right? For me, the practice that I think continues to just be the thread that knits or holds my life together is just the practice of reading scripture in the morning. So just about every morning, there aren't very many I miss, but just about every morning I read scripture about 7.30 in the morning. Sometimes I do that with a colleague and then I'm doing some writing and reflecting on that. And I just find that even in the days, you know, I'm in Chronicles now, right? And so the first chapters of Chronicles are genealogies and and they're frankly, you know, kind of tough to read. And if I'm perfectly honest, I'm skimming over them. So it isn't like every day is this beautiful, magical moment, but I find that the practice of that over time, right, begins to just sink scripture into my bones in ways that help me live, right? They help me interpret the world around me and they begin to connect and really just shape the way that I'm living. And so I'm deeply grateful for that, that practice and that continuity. And I suppose the scripture that I think I've probably used more often in recent months than any of the others is, I think it's Matthew 11, uh, come to me where Jesus says, you know, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. And of course, the weary and carrying heavy burdens, right? I, don't, I haven't met anybody yet that can't connect to that, right? So that's a, it's a sort of universal grief that we are bearing right now. And so, you know, the sort of strange irony of that is that what follows in that in terms of Jesus' directive are three verbs, right? It's more stuff to do which is a little counterintuitive, right? Because you think if people are weary and carrying heavy burdens, Jesus might say, you know, just sit down in, in your comfy chair and, you know, pull a blanket over you and take a nap, but that's not it, right? So God's economy, again, sort of surprises us in that scripture with come to me and then take my yoke upon you, right? Or taking on more, interestingly enough, and learn from me. So the verbs in that always catch my attention. And so I think that in an interesting way takes me back to write the practice of reading scripture. So even in the times when it seems like taking on one more thing sounds like probably the dumbest idea you could ever have, there's a kind of wisdom that emerges just in the willingness to set aside our suspicion and to step into what God invites us to do. And just I just find that unveiling mysteries and sustaining me in all kinds of ways. What about you or scripture or practices that have been meaningful to you? Similar is I started in the morning reading through Psalms and some Psalms are just deeply meaningful and others are not, right? But it was also interesting as 
things are happening in the world to read a particular psalm in context with whatever's happening in my life or in the world around me gave those psalms kind of deeper meaning. And then I usually, after that practice, I journal. And one of the practices that I've had to attend to as a human who lives in their head often is how are you feeling? And tend to that. And I think that is another way for me of kind of that resting and acknowledging what kind of you were talking about and then saying, okay, God, what do I do with that? Right. And one of the things I discovered, for example, is at the end of 2020, I didn't have the rituals I had to transition from 2020 to 2021, like I normally would put in place. I'd usually have a half a day kind of personal retreat to kind of set goals and get oriented a little bit and things like that. And it just didn't play out this year. And I realized that I was still really grieving all kinds of stuff, really big stuff, like my daughter's cancer that we just had to plow through. Most, if you heard us that came up in last season, you know, just what was it like to just kind of in the midst of all this deal with personal trauma and come alongside that and kind of letting some delayed grief happen, but also in other ways of unfolding grief and to be okay with that alongside the other 16 other feelings I had, right? Like those things could still be there, but also it said I needed to give more energy to my being. And so one of the practices in addition to that has been pulling out all my creative things. I'm learning a new crochet stitch. I'm finishing a quilt that got started before COVID. I'm taking scripture verses and I'm doing art with them. And just as it's just a being practice, all of those are being, like it's not about accomplishing things. It's about using the creativity and that God has put in me and seeing the world in a different way. And that's been life-giving actually, and therapeutic, I think as well. So we come to you early in 2021, and what we've learned about Pivot in season one is context matters, right? That we couldn't even get too far ahead of our recordings because context was fluid and things were happening. And this week, we are early into a new president and a transition in maybe a, a national conversation, the spirit or the many aspects of that. So I just want to ask you, Louise, to start on this one. How is that making you think about ministry and about leading in 2021 when the air around us is kind of changing a little bit. Yeah, I, I think the events here in January have really pulled me in lots of different directions. Of course, watching the assault on the, the Capitol was in some ways was the culmination of what has felt like a growing and fierce divide. And it in some ways wasn't surprising in other ways. I just kept thinking, this can't be happening. This can't be happening, right? So to go from that kind of terrible moment for us as a country to watching the inauguration, and I think we were all 
tense around that waiting and wondering if that would happen in a peaceful way or if it would lead to more unrest and bloodshed. And so I was glad to see that that came peacefully, but I feel like I'm still kind of holding my breath wondering what's going to come next. Because I think as much as for me personally, the the inauguration and the new president and vice president come as welcome leaders. And I think they are, you know, espousing things like togetherness and unity that I that I feel like are really important pieces and messages. And not when I say that I'm I want to be careful. I don't mean sort of easy paper over the difficult things kind of unity, but the kind that says, what is it that we have in common and how can we work from there to find a way forward? I'm encouraged by at least the rhetoric. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I'm also reminded that for lots of people in our nation, that that was a tough day, right? It was a tough day and they're much less hopeful and in fact, more afraid and more skeptical. And so it's just interesting to still feel that tension, even as we make this transition. I don't know. What about you? Yes, a lot of similarities, a deep sigh of some anxiety that I didn't realize, especially in the early part of this month with the breach of the capital and all that kind of stuff. That was scary. It was scary to me on on many levels. And so just kind of a deep breath on that, but also really trying to listen to the pain mm-hmm. uh, around and aware of that. And then I heard as we're trying to get the vaccines rolled out and looking to what a future is still uncertain to hear this morning on the news that it could, you know, maybe by fall we'll be back to some kind of normal. And I both was excited about that and went nine months. Okay. That's still a long time. And so I think for me, it was this awareness of how long transition happens and how we're still going to be in liminal space for some time and uncertainty, which I think highlights what we want to do with this season is, first of all, one of the things about Pivot that I've appreciated is just a chance to pause and reflect in our moment, a moment contextually, but a moment in leadership and what that means to say, what are we doing and what are we learning kind of from that? And to do that with some wise folks has been a gift. And this season, we're excited to say that we're going to bring in some practitioners that Luis and I are going to each week invite a different person who's been navigating this from a different location to think with us. So that's got me excited about that. What do you want to say about this season, Luis? I'm excited to to get started here because I find that particularly in this these kinds of liminal seasons where none of us knows for sure what the way forward looks like, I find that the best wisdom happens, you know, in the conversation with other leaders and particularly those that are in the grid of it, right, that are on the front lines, so to speak. And so I'm looking forward to really just learning from others too what we can do and how we can move forward and how they're reading and understanding the context. And I, you know, I think it fits well with our understanding of pivot, you know, an opportunity for us to pause and reflect on what's happening, what are we doing, what are we learning in those times, and then how we keep one foot rooted and one foot kind of moving, if you think literally about what it looks like to pivot, right? So I'm excited to get started here. That's great. 
Well, we're going to introduce some other things as we go along. We're going to try and cultivate a deeper community this season than just the ability to gauge with you through a podcast. We'll, we'll tell you more about that as it unfolds. And our first guest will be Reverend Mike Carlson from St. Andrews and Monomedi. And uh, we look forward to his joining us next week. So for our Pivot Season 2, Episode 1, we're grateful to be back with you and excited for this season ahead of us. Thanks for joining us for this episode of our Pivot Podcast. For more leadership resources from LEAD, you can go to waytolead.org or from Faith Lead, go to faithlead.luthersem.edu.